Well, I tell you, I would highly recommend that class. I've been through it, and uh, it's a life changer. If things are well with your finances or not so well, you will learn a lot. I encourage your kids to go through it as well. How are you guys feeling today? Huh? You okay? Well, I can guarantee you in two minutes you're going to be feeling a lot better. I want you all to stand up. Everybody stand up, okay? You guys know the happy song? I all know the happy song from Despicable Me too, right? Exactly. So we're going to sing it together. And I want you extroverts, those who just love to have fun, to really kind of make this thing happen, create the energy in the room. Okay, you ready? Let's go! wasn't over yet. <laughs> All right, you may be seated. How many are feeling better, huh? Yeah. That's why that song is so popular, because it's a mood elevator. It makes you feel better because of the nature of the song. In fact, that's why it was a number one selling album in 2014. It was out for about a year until it was put in the Despicable Me soundtrack. And Pharrell Williams wrote the song. And if you go on the web, you'll see 24hourhappysong.com or something like that. They've got 24 hours of video with people you know, singing to the song, mimicking it. So it's just one person after the other person after the other person after the other person for 24 hours. So... If you got nothing to do, you know, if you're feeling down, man, turn on the computer and rock away. How many sing out in the shower or in the car? Anybody? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to have those kind of songs. Everybody should have like five of those pick me up songs. It's amazing how fast you can change your mood. I might drop down again, but it's always nice to have a 
Uh, time of uh, happiness in there. Well, you know, I love happiness. God, God gave happiness to us as a gift. He created happiness. And it's wonderful when it comes around and we need to enjoy it and we need to celebrate it. But we're not always happy, right? No, that wouldn't be the dominant emotion probably of our lives. And that's what gets people so confused in our culture. Our culture tells us, hey, you got to be happy. you got to have the stuff. You gotta have the friends, you gotta have the right job, you gotta have this, you gotta have that, you gotta be happy. Well, friends, those things aren't going to bring happiness. What the Bible talks about is joy. Deep down joy that's anchored in Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to look at this morning as we start out a new series entitled Wisdom for Life. We're going to be studying through the book of James, a three-month study, and I love the book of James. It is so practical. It gives you instructions in how to approach life. It's very similar uh, to the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. So what I want to encourage you to do is read the book of James. Maybe you want to read through the book of James every week while we go through the study. It's just five chapters, very short book. But just say, I'm going to just immerse myself in the book of James. If you, how many have a commentary at home, a Bible commentary that they can, or that they can get on the Internet? All right. Well, they have some on the Internet, but they're really old. They're still very good. Okay. So I encourage you again, buy the Moody Bible commentary. I'm not getting any money for this. <laughs> it costs like $23 in the Kindle version and $33 for the hardback version, but you need a commentary to help you understand different passages. Study Bibles are great, but commentaries go. And even, hey, get, get a commentary on James and study along with us. We want to teach you how to be self-feeders. You're not going to get all you need here, of course. You've got to be feeding on the Word of God every day and opening His Word and praying to Him. Well, you might say, well, what was the point of playing the happy song? <laughs> Again, Declaration of Independence. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for joy and happiness. Thank you for ha when happiness comes our way. Well, we should take advantage of it. There's nothing wrong with happiness. It's just when we try to make it our main goal that we get confused. I pray you open our hearts and minds as we look into your precious word. In Christ's name, amen. Why don't you stand with me, guys? Let's read our passage together. And I'll stand up and honor the word of God. It says, greetings. James, you can read along with me. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You may be seated. Friends, you have just 
read one of the core passages in how to live the Christian life. I mean, it's so important that you understand these verses. And it's going to be hard to understand these verses because it's very counterintuitive. Let's look at the James 1. We see the author, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. Now, who is James? Well, we know it was the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Then, of course, Jesus Christ had four brothers and two sisters at least, based on what we see in Scripture. Can you imagine growing up with Jesus Christ, especially being the oldest, and Mary saying, why can't you be more like Jesus? Oh, man, that would be difficult. No wonder they didn't believe that he was the Son of God. (laughs) Well, the first thing we want to do is talk about this book. It was written to the 12 tribes of, of Israel in the dispersion. So when Jerusalem was planted, or excuse me, when the church in Jerusalem was planted, persecution eventually broke out and people had to flee for their lives. And really that was the first missionary movement because they went all around the world and started churches. So he's writing this letter to them. And he's writing this letter to encourage them in their Christian walk. You can imagine that probably multiple copies were made of this letter as it was passed from church to church. Uh, just such joy, of course, that we have it today. And the Lord might bless us through it. Now, today, we want to look forward to the joy of, and the first thing is giving glory to God. Giving glory to God. Let's look at James 1-2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, it's the first four words there that really kind of throw you off. Count it all joy when you meet various trials. Why, why would I be joyful about a trial? Now, we'll talk about that in a moment. And there are various kinds of trials. The word in the Greek is poikolos. It's a polka dotted. You look at a beautiful garden of flowers, all different types. Well, that's what our problems are like. They're all different types. They're all different varieties. They all have different levels of intensity and duration. We have a lot of problems, and they keep coming, don't they? New problems for new seasons of life. Notice what he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, if, if by chance... You run into a snag. No. When, when, when you meet trials of various kinds. It's going to happen. We all know it. Job, in fact, who had more than his share of all kinds of challenges, said, but man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. It's a natural part of our life. Jesus Christ said, John 16:33 I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation but take heart I have overcome the world so Jesus Christ guarantees us that we're going to have problems but that he is going to be with us and carry us through those problems 
It looks again at James 1 and 2. My brothers, when you meet various trials, the word in the original language is peripito, which means to fall unexpectedly into something. The word that was used uh, when the Good Samaritan fell into uh, the robbers. And the word means unexpected. We never expect problems to come. We don't get a text saying you got a problem coming. No, it just shows up. You ever plan to have a flat tire? You ever plan to have the flu that keeps you in the bathroom for 24 hours? Of course you never plan that type of thing. It just happens. You ever been pulled over by a police officer? Or you speeding just to get his attention? Of course not. You never plan for problems. They're unplanned and unpredictable, and that's what drives us crazy. Because we're trying to keep our lives in control, and all of a sudden, all these things come in from left field. And the thing about problems is like a whack-a-mole. You play that at the fair where one pops up and you knock it down. And what You deal with one problem, another one comes up. <laughs> hey, can I have a break here? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, Rick Warren said that we have to understand and accept that there are two rails in our lives. There's a rail of joy and there's a rail of pain. And they always run together. Okay? Anytime in your life you've got things that you're experiencing joy over and you're also experiencing some pain. So we just need to accept it. And again, we'll grow so much as we give it over uh, to God. Well, again, you have small problems, medium-sized problems, extra-large problems, uh, double extra large problems like this one here that you see on the, the screen. You guys heard about this this past week, of course, over in Fairdale and Rochelle, leveled by an EF4 tornado, half a mile wide. I mean, I was up in their bread that night, and I, I was having dinner, and they didn't tell me. <laughs> so I got in the car, and I got home and said, hey, there's a tornado warning. But you know, there were other people at a diner in Rochelle. And just several minutes before the tornado hit, they went downstairs into the basement. The restaurant was demolished, and they lived. But just think about that. How much your life would change if you lived in Rochelle or Fairdale, Wisconsin, and your house was destroyed, and your community was destroyed. You see, friends, life is very dangerous. There's all kinds of risks out there. And that's why we always need to stay close to Jesus Christ, who can carry us through anything. So as you go through this, you think of one problem that you have right now. One problem. I know there's a lot to pick from, but just think of one. One that's been on your mind this morning, let's say. And as we go through the scriptures, I want you to apply these principles to that one problem. James 1, 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Count it all joy. You guys are reflecting upon this. There's a lot of difficult things to do in the Christian life that God wants us to do. He empowers us to do. But I think this is the most difficult one because we are creatures of comfort. 
We are creatures who want to protect ourselves and make sure that we avoid any type of problems or obstacles. We want to make life as smooth as possible. And here, James is saying, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. What does it mean to count or consider it all joy? It doesn't mean that when, you know, you're demoted at work, you have a party. Of course not. That'd be lunacy, right? What it means, though, is that as you move into it, you start to look forward. Now, you can get stuck in the pain, you get stuck in the muck, you can suffer, and or... You'll experience that, but not as much if you look forward. That what consider means. It means to think forward. Think about how this particular problem is going to be a blessing. It's going to be a blessing. It's going to help you. It's going to complete God's uh, plan for your life. And this is really the most difficult thing about this principle. Because you see... If you look at your life and say, okay, I'm having a good life when I am healthy, when I have enough money in the bank, when I have a husband or wife, when I have so many number of kids or lack thereof, (laughs) or uh, when I have the right job or whatever it might be, when my life is problem free. You see, friends, that flies in the face of what God is saying here. No, your life is not going to be problem-free. Your life is going to be free of problems, and I want want you to embrace those problems and learn from them and grow to be more like me. See, you you have two choices to make, or really one choice to make, when a new trial comes into your life. Now, typically, we view it as an obstacle. Okay, we have a plan, right? If you don't have a plan for your wife, ask a woman. But we have a plan, all right? We're moving in a certain direction, and an obstacle comes up, and it doesn't fit into our plan, and it frustrates us, and it makes us angry, and all we want is that stupid obstacle to be out of the way so we can get it done the way we want to get it done. But who put that obstacle there? God. God put that obstacle there. Wow. Why would he do that? Because he wants to train you in righteousness. What we learn is the most powerful and effective tool that he has to get our attention is pain, is disappointment, is loneliness. All these different emotions and experiences we don't want to have. These are the experiences that God uses to draw us to Himself. And again, that's what God wants more than anything. is for you to walk in union with Him and to live for Him. That's His desire. Because you see, you have to again go back and say, why were we created? Isaiah 43, 7, everyone who is called by my name, God says, whom I created for my glory, who, whom I formed and made. 
You were created for what? For God's glory. That is the truth. You weren't created to have a great time here on earth. You weren't created for whatever else you might value. Now again, God is great because he, he takes care of us and he gives us great experiences. But we always have to go back, especially when we face difficulties and say, okay, why am I here? I'm here to glorify God. And one of the ways that we glorify God is that God brings us through difficulties and hardships in order that we might depend more on Him, in order that we might build our spiritual capacity, in order that we might bring more glory to Him. Now, how much can you relate to that statement? It's easy to read, isn't it? When you wake up in the morning, as you go throughout your day, do you ever connect with that? I'm living for the glory of God. When a problem comes up, say, oh, here's another opportunity. An opportunity instead of an obstacle to grow to be more like Jesus Christ. Friends, I'll tell you again, I believe it's one of the hardest things for a Christian to grow in because we are so self-centered, we're so much into keeping ourselves protected from anything that would hurt us, that we view any type of deviation from the plan, any type of problem as an obstacle that needs to be removed. And God says, no, I want that obstacle there to make you more like Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would like to have more trials in your life? Raise your hand. I'd like to give you some, I, you know. All right. How many of you would like to become more like Jesus Christ? Anybody out there? Okay, Very good. How many of you? How many of you would like more trials in your life? Raise your hand. How many of you would like to become more like Jesus Christ? You guys got to catch on here. How many of you want more trials in your life? That's right. It's the same question, isn't it? It's the same question. Because trials bring growth if you properly respond to them. But we hate to say that. What am I saying? I lost it. I don't need any more stress. I'm breaking down right now. Well, friends, if you're going to grow, if you're going to flourish, you've got to submit yourself to God. And the obstacles he brings along. Uh, obviously, God doesn't do any evil, but he allows certain things to happen in our lives. Sometimes he designs a trial that's customized just for us to get to that spot where we are in rebellion. And that trial goes right to that issue. So whatever you're worshiping, that trial just sucks the target in. And... The answer is, how are you going to respond to it? Is it going to be an obstacle? Or is it going to be an opportunity to become more like Jesus Christ? Job 23.10. Job 23.10. Job writes, again, remember the story of Job and how Satan was talking to God in heaven uh, one day and saying, you know, 
The only reason people follow you down there is because you give them all this good stuff. And God said, no. Said, what about that job there? You know, I bet if he had all everything taken away from him, he was very wealthy, he would uh, curse you and die. No. He said, well, can I try it out? Can I experiment with him? And God said, yes. What? God said yes to that? Well, that was to his greater good. Because now we have the book of Job in the Bible that helps us make some sense out of why we suffer. So, I mean, Satan came down, wiped out the family, wiped out his wealth. He was left scraping his skin, the boils, with rocks. And with some friends who just didn't get it. <laughs> you must have sinned, Job. Come on. And his wonderful wife. Oh, curse God and die. <laughs> Thank you, honey. I appreciate you supporting me at the worst time of my life. <laughs> Everybody assumed that Job had sinned, but he hadn't. And he wanted to talk to God about it. But he knows the way I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. So that shows how godly a man Job was. He knew what was going down here. He knew that he was suffering because God wanted to do a new work in his life. But he wanted an answer. And as many of you know, as you look at the book of Job, and, and finally God does talk to Job, what does he say? I'm God. Trust in me. Period. That's hard, isn't it? When you're going through some type of physical suffering, relational suffering. Issue with a child. You know, and just go to God and say, why? And say, trust me. Trust me. I've got a great plan that you can't even conceive of, and you're a part of it. And this is getting the job done. If you respond to this, not as an obstacle, but an opportunity, in order to become more like Jesus Christ. This is so important, friends. I just want to really encourage you, because the bottom line is you're going to have these troubles anyway, right? Now, if you have an attitude like, ah, I don't like this, I don't like God, and you, you, you kind of run away from God because He doesn't seem to be taking care of you, and, and you just become bitter over it. And you get through the trial, and you're no better for it, right? The old saying, you can become bitter or better. So never waste pain. Pain comes at such a high price. When you are in pain, that is a time to cry out to God and say, God, what are you trying to teach me? I'm so lost. I'm so confused about life. Please teach me. Help me. Give me grace to this particular issue. This is someone, if this is newer to you, you really have to take some time to understand it. Because it's one of the most important principles of the Christian life. That God allows and sometimes put difficult situations in our lives so that we might become more like Jesus and draw closer to Him. So it's so important. One thing you can do this week is start to reframe your problems. They're not obstacles, 
but their opportunities. I also look forward to the joy of growing in spiritual capacity. Growing in spiritual capacity. James 1.3 For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. For you know, and the original languages, it speaks of personal experience. Yes, I know that. I know that the testing or the trials of my faith, because that's really what trials are. They're testing the genuineness of your faith. How strong really are you? How much are you willing to let the Spirit of God move in your life and to deal with this issue as an opportunity instead of an obstacle? Because you've got to believe that. If you do not believe that your problems come into your life as a way to make you more like Jesus Christ, when you respond to it as an opportunity by trusting in Christ, you will never be able to count it joy. You always look at problems as negative and, and hard and painful. Now again, they are those things. But if you look forward you'll see that once you pass out of that problem, you're going to be closer to Jesus. You're going to be you're going to have a stronger capacity in order to worship the Lord. Uh, steadfastness, I prefer the word endurance in other translations, but uh, endurance is, is tenacity. It, it's strength under pressure. Now, this is some of you today, okay? You're just, you got all these burdens on top of you, these boards, you know, and you're just holding there, you know. And you're holding on to God, and it's getting so hard. And you, know, you thought things were getting better, but now they're getting worse, all right? And it's the supernatural power of God that keeps you standing there. Remember that scene from Unbroken? Remember that in the yard? That's a beautiful picture. Of perseverance. Strength. Enduring. Whatever comes your way. Only through the power of God. You can't do it any other way. But you see friends. This is what I'd love to talk about. Is you need to increase your spiritual capacity. You see every time. Let's say. You go to the gym. Work out. Build your muscles. Or get buff or whatever. Uh, you know what it is. You know you. Yeah, work out and, and you, you tear parts of the muscle. You wait two days or so. You come back. What do you do? You have grown new parts of the muscle, right? And you keep doing that and doing that and doing that and doing that. And your muscle becomes stronger. Well, that is the same thing with the spiritual life. God allows these problems in in order to tear away some old parts to repair and build your spiritual muscle even stronger if you respond in the right way to it. If you walk away from it and say, ah, I'm not going to thank God for that. Well, then you're not going to benefit, right? Don't waste the pain. But as you respond, and you see, every time you respond, you have a greater capacity, not because of you, but the work that God is doing in you. And I tell you what, I have seen people in this congregation go through unbelievable pain. Or Susie Parker, our bookkeeper, just 
died. And uh, I don't think I could have gone through what she gone through. I don't know. I don't know. I just like she was in the hospital rehab for like 18 months over two years. But it was because of her spiritual endurance. She kept on trusting in God and her faith got stronger and stronger and stronger. And eventually God took her home because the task was complete. Isn't that beautiful? You know, you look at your life and this culture wants to put you in a pigeonhole. You know, I was successful here and I did this and that, you know. Please, you got to look at life in a different way. The main thing in life is who you become in Jesus Christ. You might lose your job, you might lose your house, you might uh, become sick. And uh, again, this is so difficult. I was talking with a guy after the last service and he said, yeah, you know, I was talking to my wife about this and she still doesn't quite get it. And I said, oh, I understand that. There's so many people that won't fully understand because they haven't lived long enough for Jesus Christ. They haven't made enough of those decisions. And some Christians, they just try to avoid all problems altogether. They become hermits. Well, what's the deal? There's no glory to God there. We want to give glory uh, to God. So think about that one issue in your life that you were thinking about. And, and, And can you say thank you for that? Can you say, I'll wait you out, Lord. I'll trust in you because it's that trust. You know, everything looked like it's going south, Lord. <laughs> Help me! But I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to wait on you and see what you do. Oh, that's so hard to do. You need, you need people around praying for you. You really do that. You need, you need spiritual strength. So you can build that endurance. Second uh, Corinthians twelve seven through nine talks about Paul. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. So, of course, Paul was given a tour of heaven. That might make your head a little big. (laughs) Yeah, well, I was in heaven. So, who gave it to him? Now, it could have been Satan or it could have been God. But God allowed it a messenger from Satan that caused pain like a thorn. And that, we're not talking about you know, thorn bushes around here. <laughs> we're talking about big thorns in your flesh. Big thorns you want to get out of your flesh. And Paul was so desperate, he prayed three times. And finally God said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. When we are weak, when we don't have the confidence, when we don't have the faith, that is a perfect time for God to step in 
and show his supernatural power that would never show if we were self-confident and self-assured. Nobody would see any of God in you. But it's when you're broken that they start to see the Savior. They start to see how a broken person can be mended and repaired. And, and Paul says, well, you know, therefore, hey, if, if his grace is sufficient, I'm going to boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. I am so glad I have that disorder. I am so glad that I'm uh, dealing with this health problem. I am so glad. Not really glad, but in joy. I'm joyful because I'm looking forward to what God is going to make me to be. Verse 3. For you know the testing of your faith is... Uh, let me switch over to um, verse 4. Uh, for becoming more like Jesus is the third thing. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The word perfect is teleos. Uh, and it's not talking about total perfection. It's talking about maturity. You know, as Christians grow from infants to preschoolers to elementary to toddlers. I and mean, you're somewhere on there, okay? You might have just been born a Christian. Born again. You're an infant. We need to really take care of you and protect you uh, from the world. But what he's saying is, the longer you grow, the more mature you become. And complete. That means whole. The complete package, lacking in nothing, is just the opposite. Well, that's God's goal for you and me on this earth. That's what he, wanted to do, do, that's what he wants to do through us so that we might become more like Jesus Christ. And we might give glory to God. Now, here's a key, key uh, phrase. And let steadfastness have its full effect. That is your decision. Are you going to remain steadfast in the middle of that storm? God loves you so much. He does. And we all fail. We all drop the burden. Sometimes we run. But God is always there with His, all His grace to keep us building Keep on building our spiritual lives. But friends, if you're going to build your relationship with God, you've got to trust in Him so that you could remain steadfast in the midst of confusion and no answers and pain. You're saying, God, I'm trusting in You. I'll, I'm going to wait to see what You can do. I, can't, I, I tried to control it and I'll give it to you because I'm not doing a very good job of it. So my question for you today Whatever that problem might be. Are you submitting to that opportunity? And looking at it as an opportunity to grow? Or are you fighting against it? Are you pushing it away? Are you mad at God? It's okay to be mad at God. People go through that process. But once you go through that, you want to come to the point of acceptance and say, God, I have no idea why you're allowing this to happen to me, but I trust that you are a good God. I trust that you are a sovereign God. I trust that you're a God that loves me. I trust that, that you have the best in mind for me, even though it doesn't seem like it. I trust you. I know, I know that trials produce steadfastness. 
I'm sorry, guys. This is a tough one, isn't it? That's for me. God gives us thorns for reason. Alright, we can have uh, Don and Sonia Noren come out at this time. They've been attending Springbrook for five years, and I just have loved uh, talking with them and relating to them, and they're they're just great people. They came to Christ when they were younger. So they've walked with God a long time. So I wanted them to come up and share whoops, with you uh, some of their insights. So guys, uh, tell us what you've learned about trials throughout the years. Is that working? No. And a newborn baby. Okay. All right. Let's take a look at this. Start over. Yeah. Mute. Try that. Start over. There we go. In June of 1964, uh, we had our first child. At that time, they told us that she was going to die. And I had prayed that uh, the Lord would just take her during surgery because I, I just couldn't handle taking her home and taking care of her and knowing that she, wasn't, that, that she was going to die. But she did come home. She ate every two hours of her life. So it was constant care. Plus, we had the other two children. So it was a rough time. But... Um, she went, we, this went on for 10 months, and then the Lord took her. And you know, it was, a, it was a perfect timing. I don't think I could have handled one more week because I was so emotionally drained, so physically drained, and so spiritually drained that it was just, um, just, just an impossible situation. The hardest thing for me was seeing Valerie in such pain and seeing my wife. 
learned through this that, that my God that I put my faith in is faithful. He's faithful. Amen. Again. And as I've grown older, I've, uh, I'm 80 years old, so I've been around the block. <laughs> After um, she died, I just hurt. Um, I, 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 re I really, I was in pain. I hurt. And I realized, I learned so much. I realized that only God, only God could take care of the hurt. Only he could heal it. And nobody else could. And at this time, I just scoured the scriptures. And I, I just immersed myself, mainly in Psalms. And um, I, I, it just deepened my faith. And it also helped me with my priorities. I learned what was important and what was not important. And at that time, I purposed in my heart that I would, that, that I would uh, take care of my soul, that I would look in and that I, that I would deal with the sins and the hang-ups that I had. And, you know, and for several years I thought, ooh, I'm going to arrive pretty soon, and, and uh, they're going to be all gone. But you know what? I'm still at it. Um, they don't disappear. I still have I still have as many trial as many uh, hangups and trials and sins that I have to deal with. And uh, but you know we serve a great God. We serve a God that we know that he can that no matter what happens in life he can take care of us and he and he will just help us handle it and we can just trust in him to take care of all of our trials and that is wonderful. Wow. One of the, one of the things that's important to us now. Coming to Springbrook and being involved in a small group, uh, it's great. It's a wonderful place to be in this season of life. Uh, we do life together. We, we laugh and enjoy each other, and we go through our trials together. And, uh, so God has been so good. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't have a small group when we were going through these trials, and it would have been so helpful. Oh, yeah. I can't right. tell you how much our small group means to us and what our small group has done for us. Yeah. Anything else? We're so thankful for, and this, we're so thankful for Springbrook. We're so thankful. You know, when you get older, we think, oh, God's going to throw us in the garbage, and He's not going to have anything for us to do. <laughs> but we're so thankful for Springbrook and the fact that we can minister here and that we can come here. And we're very thankful for Dan. Uh -huh. Very thankful for Pastor Dan. Well, guys, uh, we're so thankful for you. Uh, you have lived so many years with Jesus. I know you're a real encouragement to all of us because, uh, you know, we all go through those challenges. We have our elders come forward at this time. And uh, after I'm done praying here, if you'd like to come down and get some elder prayer, maybe one of those trials you're going through and you just need some encouragement, well, this would be the best time to... Just come up. You don't have to share what the trial is. Just say, hey, could you pray for me? Let's pray together. Dear Father, I want to thank you so much for Don and Sonia. Uh, they're just treasured friends. And I really do look up to them, Lord. Uh, 
the younger, not much younger, but <laughs> the younger learning from the older. And uh, they've taught me so much about faith and walking with you in all kinds of situations. And I just pray that we would be a family where we'd be able to bear each other's burdens and that the older would be able to help the younger and that we would get the perspective we need that is so important so that we might glorify you. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, guys.